If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hello, and welcome to Rhyme Entertainment Showcase with your hosts, Rita and Mel. Welcome to another amazing episode of Rhyme Entertainment Showcase. Today we are speaking to a dynamic duo, very creative couple, Tim Porter and Diana Porter. Welcome, Welcome. to the show. Thank you Hello. so much. It's awesome to be here. Thank you for having us. You're Thank welcome. You. So tell us about your individual journeys and how your career started in the film industry. Well, about... 11 years ago now, um, I, I had left uh, working as an analyst and to stay home and be a full-time mom, which I found did not really suit me. It's a wonderful job, but it's not for everybody. Um, so I came to Tim, I had this epiphany that of all the things that I had given up in my pursuit of being the best mom ever, I missed acting more than anything. And I said, hey, we didn't plan on me having an income. How about I have a job where I have no income? And a few months later, I was actually cast in my first, first feature film. And it was one of the lead roles. And I actually did have a little bit of income. And it just sort of took off from there. It's a, it's a constantly rolling ball where I think, oh, wait, I haven't done commercials. I should try doing commercials. And then somehow I end up doing commercials. And wow it progressed and I met a lot of really wonderful people, mostly in the horror genre, horror yes. filmmakers. And they really took me into their community and under their wing. And I have this little girl gang of amazing producers, directors, writers now, we all support each other. And they pushed me to start directing myself. I had done a little writing and a little producing. And then one of them was putting together an anthology and she said, I want you to be the first time director in the anthology. Amazing. So I took that on and it's just kept going from there. So I'm still primarily an actor, but I really love directing and writing too. Amazing. Would you say you've got a preference in terms of what you feel most comfortable in now that you've had a taste of Mm. everything? Definitely acting. Yeah, uh, acting is when I when I have a day on set, and you know sometimes you have to be there at you know, four in the morning. You're waking up at two a.m. and I it, I'm not a morning person. Yeah, I tell you I don't. I'm not a morning yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but on those days I'm jumping out of bed. I'm so excited, showing up onto set like, hey, good morning, how you doing? Like, <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, and very often I'm playing like really horrible or depressed people. So <laughs> it's a it's a bit of a switch, but it's it's really it's it's what lights me up inside, and I can't imagine not doing it. I I joke with my friends that other people talk about if they won the lottery they would quit their jobs, mm-hmm. and if I won the lottery I would find ways to work more. Uh, never plan on retiring it's acting is just it's my life amazing I love that yeah because I think 
there's so many people out there who have a passion for something but they hold back you mm. know they don't pursue it but you just you just jumped right in and said I mean did you have that passion before you started acting or did it just evolve it was something I always enjoyed and I look back at how seriously I took community theater and uh the Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah. and things like that and it was definitely there and I just thought that everybody did that I thought that everybody would spend hours and hours preparing a character for a three-minute YouTube video that their friend was throwing together yeah. and, and now that's more true I, people take social media and the internet very very seriously but this was back in the early 2000s that yeah. I was like, oh, I need a backstory for this character. And it's like, oh, Diana, you have one line. And <laughs> it's just a stupid video. Uh, but I really, and, I, and I've done it from a pretty young age. I, my, I have an older brother and sister. Mm -hmm. And they, when they were doing high school productions, they did a production of Carousel and they needed people to play the children. And they brought me into it. And I was always, uh, auditioning and being in the school productions and it was always something that I loved. Great, amazing. Tim, I mean, you know, talk us through your journey. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is centered around my relationship with Diana. You know, I did not grow up with artistic outlets or an artistic background. We are and definitely a case of opposites attract in that way. <laughs> very true, very true. And you see the enthusiasm. Diane is a powerhouse. That enthusiasm <laughs> is inspiring and contagious. Yeah. So when we first met, what, 20 years ago? She was performing on stage and this was way outside of my uh, comfort zone. But after a few years, few drinks uh, <laughs> she got me up on stage as well and I, I performed um, at the Rocky Horror Picture Show for for several years myself uh, that is something I would have never thought I would do uh, performing uh, in front of hundreds of people on stage like that was it was it was so rewarding uh, one of the the highlights of my you know career is performing Halloween in front of hundreds of cheering people you know granted I was wearing a coat course in high heels that was cool too <laughs> Uh, that was the attraction right there, wasn't yeah. it? Diana? There we go. There we go. I, I, I know that I can walk in, in high heels and my legs look good in fishnets. I can say that with 100% confidence. Everyone's legs looks good in fishnets. And back then, like Diana noted, we were helping a lot of friends with their, we were in a web series together, mm -hmm. we were uh, in some short films. And at that point in, in Diana's career, I could kind of hang from an active thing. Now, my day job in IT is probably where I should stay and not, not uh, pursue being a professional actor. Now, that is all Diana. She has the talent. She has the drive. And, and she has it progressed to such a point where I, I could never act alongside her now. Uh, she's, she's a true professional. He, he undersells his talent, though. Tim actually has natural comedic timing, which is such a gift but it's not it's not where he's put his energy is all and I think a lot of people underestimate how much work goes into being an actor and that it's not just you're talented and then you have a career that there there's so much that goes behind it and he has been the the person who's been going to work every day for many many hours and yeah. been putting his energies into that so we could have a wonderful home and the stability that I can go after an artistic lifestyle, which is a lot less stable. 
Healthcare benefits are nice too. They that's really that's a thing you really, really need are. to have in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good because you balance each like other that, out, yeah. which is which is it's so, so important, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, Tim, you're also a screenwriter. So how did this evolve? Um, yeah, moving into this, you know, it's it's really interesting. I I can't point to a single day where I was like, you know what, I want to be a screenwriter this morning yeah. uh, when I woke up. It, it really is, you know, seeing Diana being inspired by her career, being inspired by all of the other creative people in our lives and kind of being like, you know what? I kind of want to do that too. That seems like fun. Let me see if I can you know, generate the stories and you know, practice and improve my art to a point where other people would like to read it and actually say, hey, that's pretty cool. Good job. Uh, so that, that has been extremely rewarding. And I've been doing that for just over two years or so. Amazing. And again, it's meet amazing people, so inspired by, uh, I wish the Paris International Film Festival was in person, but certainly where we met there virtually, yeah. is it's amazing. I'm humbled by the amount of, of talented people you get to meet and the films you get to see. And that's that's really where a lot of it started with me, you know, going with Diana to a lot of her premieres and film festivals and holding her purse on the on the uh, the red carpet. You know, it's it, always it, needed. We always need someone yeah, to hold the purse. Yeah. <laughs> I hold my shoes later on in the night too. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, how, I mean, you've probably touched on this anyway a little, but how do you balance um, your, you know, working in the industry, your creative um, career, as well as, you know, your family life as well? How do you keep that balance, being able to see each other, spend busy. quality time? Mm -hmm. I, I think we fell into a good rhythm pretty early on. And it was in the very beginning, there was a lot of working on weekends for me. Yeah. Mm. But it's always been important to me that we have family dinner together most nights of the week. And if if I'm out one, two, three nights a week, I, I feel like, oh, I haven't I haven't seen my family. I need to, I need yeah. to be home. I need to be present yeah. with them. And I'm always trying to find that balance. I never want to let anyone feel left out and I want to and I miss them too yeah. and we we are, we found ways to organize throughout the year because um when our child was younger and not as independent see so somebody has to be there for them mm -hmm. and first it was google calendars and making sure their invites we, we would share google calendars so he would know when I was going to be on set and I would know when he was going to be at a conference or having a dinner. And then we also, because I kind of need the, the visual in my face online doesn't always work for me. Yes. We have a giant whiteboard in our kitchen and everybody has their color and, <laughs> and we list everything. It's been a lot easier during the pandemic because mm -hmm. no one goes much of anywhere, yeah. but it, it really, and you know, we have the ongoing shopping list and all of that, like, like many families do. But that has been huge because there was one time, just one time that I was on a gig. And when when you're on set, you, your phone isn't with you. You don't have yeah. it in your wardrobe. And, uh, and it's on silent. I just had this feeling. And I checked my phone and it was like 5.45 at night. And our child was in after school care until six o'clock. And at six o'clock, they like started it was like a thousand dollars per minute if you don't pick your child up on that. Really <laughs> <laughs> I saw your face and I was like, oh no. So we're <laughs> but it was, they were very serious about you picking up your child before six. And I checked my phone and there was a message from Tim saying, 
hey honey just wondering where you guys are and I was like oh oh no <laughs> he had missed the calendar invite I had sent him for that day I was an hour and a half away in another state filming this commercial but luckily moments after he left that message he remembered and child was picked up no problem and there was no issue whatsoever but there was a scary moment set for me. Yeah. Is that when is that when the whiteboard then came into effect or was it it might have been right around that time? It was an all of the above. And and one of really the, the secret weapons we had because I worked for a manufacturing organization, a global manufacturing organization for about four years. We had like four different sites in the UK too, all over the world. I was traveling very frequently and our secret was to have a homeless man live in the basement <laughs> to help with childcare. <laughs> it's a friend. We had a friend who was living with us for a while, who was our backup childcare. And uh, we didn't have to use him that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but it worked out well for us. He's also an artist. I um, mean, he, he's an illustrator. So uh, Griffin, Griffin. And, Just kidding. And, <laughs> uh, but when our child was younger, having him in the house so that if I wasn't home early enough or I had to run out to an audition, there was always someone here. In the years when our child wasn't wasn't quite old enough to be home alone, but was old enough to be, you know, didn't need to be entertained by a babysitter. Yeah. yeah it's amazing right. yeah I think yeah obviously there's gonna have to be some sort of um occurrence or incident just to kind of trigger right okay how do we really get this balance and having that support so having mm. Griffin there I think is absolutely brilliant back up hi Griffin <laughs> <laughs> both of us amazing so let's talk a little bit more about your projects are there like projects that you work together on or are you you know is there anything that you kind of collaborate with we are very supportive of each other and we definitely play the, the Tim has written roles for me in all of his scripts but and I read his scripts and I give him feedback and things like that um, but we haven't produced any of the scripts yet my projects Tim definitely helps out and he's been a producer and he's brought crafty and things like that um, but we both have very strong personalities and when I'm directing, th- this last time I was like, you know what? I think I need you to not be on set because if you make a suggestion, I'm gonna feel like I have to go with that suggestion. Yeah. And it'll, you know, I'll undercut myself a little. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so he's not usually on set when I'm directing, although I could definitely see that happening in the future. Um, and when I'm acting, it's not an option. Although in that web series, we did, we were, we did work together as actors, but that was, that was a long time ago. Yeah, over 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because at this, you know, phase of of Diane's career, she's progressed so far and has built up, you know, such a strong foundation. I, I don't want to come in and interrupt that or belittle that in any way. So I, I appreciate giving her her space. Mm. Uh, if I can participate, great. I will absolutely happily participate, even if it's you know, bringing crafty. I'll work as a PA. That's cool, too. Uh, but I really want to make sure, you know, Diana keeps her creative energies and her partnerships, and I only help uh, accentuate that versus replace that in any way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is 
been very, very helpful for me because Diane is very often code on shoots. And I have a 40 to 50 hour a, a week day job. You know, while she is out, son's going to bed, I have time to write. I have time to be creative. And that's been very, very helpful for my career as well. So we both have the space to really scratch our artistic itch and progress you know, at the different stages of our respective careers. Back in January 2019, I was, I, went to an uh, acting school in New York for a two-week intensive course, which was fantastic, but I was there for two weeks solid. And Tim, that was right when he had started writing, and he sat down and he wrote, it wasn't the entire first season, I don't think, but his, his television, television pilot, Revolution, which is brilliant. Amazing. He, she just wrote every night while I wasn't home. And I came home and he was like, here, I wrote a script. And it's just like, you had two weeks and this is amazing. That's unfair. Other people have to work a lot harder than that. <laughs> that that script is, you know, is my baby. That, that is the one I've been working on developing where I really you know, understood writing is rewriting. I think you hear that early on as a writer, but don't yeah. you know, fully you know, rock it. But once you really start getting notes, getting feedback, it's okay, now I need to write, rewrite, 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 uh, and many, many drafts later, you're like, okay, you know, this is, this is ready to share with the world, uh, and that one was, was one of the first scripts that really was accepted in multiple uh, festivals, London and the British Independent um, Film Festival in 2020 was on the gold list uh, over in the UK, so that, that was one of the, the first ones that really got some widespread uh, read and approval. And it's a brilliant fictionalization of the beginnings of the Revolutionary War. So parts of it take place in the UK and parts of it take place in America. And it takes a, a look at a lot of the, the racial issues of the time. And it also gives women a voice, which is so often ignored. It's like women didn't exist during the Revolutionary War. And of course they yeah, did. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think that Abigail Adams was like, oh, I don't know, whatever John wants. So it's, it really is gives, gives voices that we haven't heard before the chance to be heard. But there's also some, um, some creative takes in there that definitely did not happen um, that make it surprising and it really captures your attention, right? And I'm not just saying this is his wife because there have been scripts and I was like, yeah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> this one, I was like, I want to make this. I want to make yeah. this now. Exactly. And it's the one that I most hope that someone uh, takes an interest in and starts throwing money at. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's an official selection of the upcoming Urban Action Showcase Film Festival in New York City that highlights uh, stories from, from diverse creators and yeah. that have uh, diverse characters. And writing a, a story around, surrounding the events of the American Revolution with Abigail Adams being one of the main protagonists. And also from a UK standpoint, James Somerset. It's really, really interesting in the years running up to the American Revolution. Uh, yeah. England was you know, starting to uh, abolish slavery. It was still in the yeah. early stages, uh, but the uh, James Somerset was one of the, the first um, slaves who escaped and uh, took his case to court and eventually earned his uh, his freedom in the UK. And that was in the 1770s, nearly 100 years before slavery was out, outlawed in the United yeah. States. One of the, the big kind of what ifs, uh, this, I started writing this two years ago. I love the Marvel series now, what if, because it's really one of those 
know, points in history where England was in the midst of fighting what was really one of the first world wars. Yeah. They weren't fighting the colonists in America. They were fighting France. They were fighting Spain. They were fighting the Netherlands. Even Baltic states were kind of being uppity at that point. You know, England was a true superpower, but they were likely going to go bankrupt fighting all of these wars. What if uh, they were cunning enough to give the Americans what they were asking for in one hand, which is you know, here in the United States, the taxation without representation was one of the main reasons for the revolutionary war. You know, what if England had said, and the crown of the king had said, you become full members of our, our kingdom, you no longer colonists, we'll give you full representation, but you have to follow our laws now. So things like slavery have to be abolished. And the premise behind the show is, how would the American colonists react? Mm. There's probably many, mainly Northern colonists that would have been, hey, this is exactly what we're looking for. We want to be full members of, of, the, uh, of the kingdom. And then there's other colonies, you know, Virginia, the Southern colonies that really valued slavery that probably would not have gone. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of a revolutionary war where the colonies were united, it turns into more of a civil war and you're pitting mm. the founding fathers against each other. That's wow. great. Yeah, and I love the fact that you've you've got so many questions that are coming through this script. I mean, just you know, hearing about yeah. it, it's already so thought provoking. How much you know? How much has evolved mm. since you know since that time? And yeah, there's so much there. Tim, I'm gonna have to offline and say, look, I want to read it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> have a read of this. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. I mean, what inspires you both to? stay on this creative journey i 100 need it i am i am yeah. so unhappy when i'm not acting <laughs> um and it really it's at this point it's like eating like i don't i don't even think about it and um this week earlier this week I had two different story ideas within an hour of each other and both of them was like oh I really need to talk to my writing partner about that one um which luckily I'm going to see him tomorrow but it's it's really it's just life for me now yeah yeah absolutely how about yourself Tim what keeps you keeps you going I, I like to take inspiration from the real world and what's happening around us. And you know, what is that, that that curse? May you live in interesting times? Mm. Like we live in interesting times. Yeah. Very. So yeah. much around us uh, that it's, it's almost impossible not to be inspired in some way, shape or form, hopefully yeah. for good. Uh, but there's a lot of the, the other kind of inspiration going around now as well. And yeah. I feel like everyone should use their voice to the best of their ability, use their skills to try to you know do whatever they can to to promote the world they want to help create. And in yeah. my, my case, that is uh, metastasizing as I want to create stories that inspire people, that make yeah. them think. And much of what we're going through now is so much similar. And I'll use revolution as an example. Yeah. Uh, in, in Boston around that time, you know, we think of the Sons of Liberty here in the United States as patriots. You know, very often, I mean, they were terrorists. They kidnapped and uh, tortured government officials, burned down the governor's mansion. You know, but they, those uh, tactics led to a war, led to that side winning. So they're remembered as patriots. But history is, is really, really fickle. <laughs> and I don't know how this time period is going to be thought of 100 years from now. Yeah. Whatever I can do to help inspire people to the path that you know, I hope we move towards, mm -hmm. uh, that would be you know, my main takeaway and the thing that inspires me. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really important thing that you've mentioned there because, you know, yeah, great. You've got, you need stuff that is lighthearted, things that you can just, I almost say like you can just drop your brain, watch, and it's pure entertainment. But you also need the other um, films and shows as well that will make you think, make you feel like, okay, maybe I could change my ways. Maybe this would help yeah. someone and just get that inspiration to change yourself or to help others. And I think that's a really important thing. And again, using your voice to get that message across. There's so much we can do with that, which is really important. Yeah, and I was going to add on to that, that that's the beauty of film in the fact that you can get that message out there in, you know, in a short film, in a feature film, you know, whatever way, even in um, screenwriting, just getting your that message out there because it's amazing how many people transform their lives just through watching a powerful film. So a, a film I directed a few years ago um, was it was about um, a lot of the abortion debate here in America yeah. and is actually a, based a bit on what happened to us when we were trying to have children and having miscarriages and it's not a fun film I, I always say I don't make feel good films when I direct that doesn't really happen but the every showing, every screening, I had women coming up to me afterwards, crying and sharing their stories. And there is also um, a part where there's a man, so in in the film, there's a law that uh, if a woman has a miscarriage, she's arrested for manslaughter. Because that's how far the laws have gone, basically. And um, so this woman is having a miscarriage and she's under arrest and the security guard who is watching over her in the hospital apologizes and says, I feel bad arresting you. You're kind of still pregnant, but, you know, I don't want to lose my job. And it's this like I'd lose my vacation benefits and things like that. And every single screening, there was a guy in the audience who would go, oh, it's like one more down. Okay, one more down, one more person got it. That sometimes doing the right thing is hard or inconvenient, but still important to do. And um, that it wasn't, it wasn't a film that was widely released. It's a tough subject. It's not, it's not a, an easy light thing to program in a festival. So I under, understood why. And we didn't submit it a whole lot of places because it's so personal. But, um, but I do feel like it moved in the needle with individuals. And that was so important to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because even if you can touch just one person, yeah. you you've kind of you've lived the mission it's like yeah I've done it because that person needed to hear it exactly yeah wow there's a there's a lot there Diana there's so much there in terms of that I'm actually really intrigued to kind of see this film as well I can send you a link (laughs) yeah that would be really yeah I would really appreciate that um I mean you know we've touched on a lot here and we could go so much you know a lot a lot deeper into this but we want to talk about some of your new projects as well because I know currently Diana your crowdfunding uh, project I believe or that's about yes. to launch yeah it's the um the kickstarter is already launched so there's a probably about a week left when this airs mm-hmm. and uh, it is a, a script that was sent to me by a longtime collaborator Michael Whistler and it's 
um, is written during the pandemic. So it is about a woman who's shut up inside, but it's because of solar activity. She can't go outside because of solar flares. And she has this helpful AI, like we all do these days, you know, Siri and Alexa. Hers is called Vicky. And Vicky is really up in her business, giving her advice on how to eat and when to relax and just everything. Mm -hmm. And as the, the film progresses, and we, we meet this woman's ex-husband and he seems concerned and there's lots of weird things going on. And you start to question whether this artificial intelligence is really being helpful or keeping her captive. Wow. And yeah, and Michael sent me this script. He's a brilliant science fiction writer and I love science fiction. And he sent it to me and he's like, I want you to star in it. And I was like, yes, yes, definitely. I love this. This is great. And he goes, I also want you to direct. And I was like, because <laughs> I know you haven't done that before. And I think it'd be a good challenge. And it being the pandemic, we had lots of time on our hands. So I said, yes, it was a significant challenge and even as we were shooting and I was having to split my brain between the acting and the directing I have, our dog is drinking water I hope you can't hear that it sounds oh, nice. so loud <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there I go splitting my brain but even when we were shooting and I was struggling with that um I was saying, I know the hardest part is going to be editing because looking at my own face for hours at a time, <laughs> oof, oof, it's so hard. <laughs> that, that's where we are now. The Kickstarter is to support, the, and it's the film's name is Subscribed, if anyone wants to look it up on Kickstarter. And uh, it's, we're doing the finishing funds. And fortunately, we, I launched this Kickstarter. I was so nervous. I hate asking for help. I'm one of those people. Yeah. And I had a lot of people tell me, you should, you should ask for more money. And I was like, I really feel like $2,000 is, you know, a good amount. And hopefully we'll get a little more, but kind of nervous that we won't make it and just making all the rewards and everything. So we would get there. Mm -hmm. And I launched and we were funded three hours later. Excellent. Amazing. Yeah. And the amazing thing to me, because I, this is the first time that I've done crowdfunding myself. Yeah. And I assumed it would be like my parents and my good friends and those people who are so wonderful and support me and I love them. Yeah. And there have been people that just found us on Kickstarter. Oh, and amazing. want to see the film. And it's like, you don't even know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's such an endorsement of how Michael's story is so powerful and relatable. Mm. And um, I'm so excited that we're going to really get to finish the film in a really quality way yeah. and to submit it to film festivals. So hopefully lots of people get to see it. Amazing. That sounds Great. so exciting. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well done. Tim, how about yourself? Because you're currently writing a feature at the moment, aren't you? I am. I am. I'm wrapping up a third draft of another TV show, 30-minute sci-fi, uh, Wake Up. And I'm, I'm starting, I've, I've, I've done a lot in the historical side, working plenty of shorts. I'm really enjoying sci-fi. Uh, and there was a film I, I started writing. Uh, it was probably November of 2019. Uh, Revolution was in a film festival in New York, and we were, it was, it was a place there, and we were on our way back, and we're like, I really want to write 
a film based in New York City. And I, I started outlining it, really started developing the world. It was going to be set in the future. Uh, the working title is, is Typhoid Maria. And it was going to be about the pandemic ripping through New York City. And as I really started developing it in December and January, um, you know, end of 2019, end of 2020, a real pandemic was one yeah. yeah. New York City. And even though I love the world, I love the visuals I was starting to create, this wasn't the time to, to yeah. have that, that kind of emotional space. Yeah. So I put that on the shelf, worked on other things for a while, and now I'm looking to, to pick that up again. We have a joke that the projects we work on tend to come true. And I keep telling Tim, like, you need to write a film about a wonderful family who hits the lottery and they're super happy. Exactly. Can we just write that film? Be yeah. very dramatic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm very much in touch with that. I've, you know, written part of a feature and as well, um, I stopped it because I started to see some things that were coming true and I thought, nah, I can't. <laughs> I really want to touch it again, but I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because, yeah, and quite like yourself, it's like, I need to write about happy things and, you know, things that like positive stuff so mm -hmm. that can manifest. <laughs> <laughs> no one no one told me that writing can take such an emotional toll when you're when you're writing really diving deep into characters because it's you know, writing and stories it's all about conflict and you know you really throw your characters through the ringer on every script and it's like I, I feel like to be a successful writer I've got to feel that I've got to be empathetic to it uh, and it's it can be tough at times it can be very tough yeah. if you're doing it the right way it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I guess it's similar to acting as well because obviously acting um, like you said, Diana, you have to, even if it's just a short, you know, even if you've got one line, you want to know the about the character, yeah. you want to know the background as well. So you've really got to do that research or really just become the character. And I guess for yourself, Tim, you have to almost become each character you're writing about. There, there was a film I worked on called Mary Loss of Soul, where I was playing my character murdered her own children oh. and doing the research and getting into that character was so hard and so I, I I'm proud of my work on that I feel like I did a great job um, but it was it was very very dark and I was lucky the uh, the the lead in the film who I'm trying to kill throughout the film. Um, she was played by this uh, this young woman named Kaylee, who she she was just a, a breath of sunshine. And like, you know, we're, we're running through the woods and I'm trying to murder her in the scene. And then in between scenes, we're cuddling under the same jacket and laughing. And uh, it was being able to like turn it on and off was so necessary. Because I would, there have been, um, there's another, I worked on the film uh, Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal and I was one of the bombing victims. Mm. And all, all day over and over, we're going through the getting up right after the, the bomb goes off the Boston Marathon. And I'm crying in the arms of one of my friends. And it was a, it was a, a long, hard day. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I got in my car and I just started bawling. And it, it had been, I think that was like 14 hour day. We'd gotten there early that morning because there was special effects makeup and all of that. And it was about an hour from our house, the, the studio. And um, 
I is late at night and I was like, I don't know if I can drive home right now. I don't know if I'm in an emotional state where I can drive home. And I called my parents and was like, mom, you need to talk to me while I'm driving so that I don't lose it. And even the next day I was in an acting class and I started like having flashbacks and I yeah. called my teacher over and was like, I am, I'm having a reaction. Like I went through trauma and he's like, because you're the type of actor that you did. Yeah. Yeah. You disassociate and you go so deep into character that your your brain doesn't quite know what's real right now. Yeah. yeah. And just be kind to yourself, go home, spend time with your family, do things that you enjoy and you have always enjoyed and get yourself back on track. It's like, oh, I, I even I underestimate how much of an impact it can it can have on you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Self-care. Yeah, self-care. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Because I think, and you know, you just answered the question I was going to ask next, how do you detox from that sort of thing? And, you know, you must need a lot of distractions. Tim, I'm sure you're there to kind of help her distract, be distracted. I, I, I try, <laughs> uh, you know, but one of the, the things I like to do, like you need a palate cleanser every once in a while. Yeah. And uh, it, it's interesting, one of my palate cleanser, I like to call it like an SU script, uh, was the one that I submitted to the Paris International Film Festival. Yeah. Our world, 10 pages, it's cathartic, uh, a whole bunch of wankers get brutally murdered <laughs> at a, uh, a horror-themed film festival. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it's just a short too. So 10 pages, three gruesome murders, it's fun, it's quick, and it's, it's kind of the treatment for you know, if someone would pay for me to write it, uh, a feature based on that. Yeah. And like, that was just fun. It was quick, it was, it was easy to write. Uh, and it was just, it was really fun to do. And like, you need those every once in a while because you can't always just keep ratcheting up the tension, ratcheting up the drama. You need a relief in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, you too, I mean, you're, you know, from this conversation, you you are definitely giving each other the right support, the encouragement, you're there for each other, you've got this amazing calendar in place, which is, <laughs> you know, really needed. Um, you know, what sort of, you know, how important is it to make sure you've got the right people around you for that encouragement? It's, it's everything. Mm. It's every, I don't know how people uh, exist in this life without a support system of people um even beyond tim and and our, our parents i my my writing partner george is unbelievably supportive not just with writing but i can ask him about anything there are times we've gone out to lunch and i have asked a question and then babbled for 10 minutes answering my own question he's gone so you're good now yeah <laughs> yeah I'm like yeah thank you george and uh, my producing partner, Andrea, and she is, she's my rock. She is one of the strongest, most intelligent women I have ever met in my life. And knowing that I can ask her at any time for, to, to listen to an idea or to come onto a project or to steer me in the right direction, it's, it's so integral. And there've been um, people throughout my career as an actor that I met on set on, on major productions that then gave me encouragement or advice to help with uh, my directing. I, right before I direct for the first time, I happened to be working with John Mathiason and 
we we just got along. Uh, I was standing in for Christina Hendricks and her dog liked to hang out with me and he liked to hang out with Christina's dog. So we ended up hanging out and just chatting. And I, I asked him for his advice as a cinematographer for my first time directing. And he like for 15 minutes, just like was giving me advice. And I'm like, I'm getting a masterclass in cinematography from an Oscar winner. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just because I, I asked nicely and because a dog thought that I was cool. Um, <laughs> Who you know, right? <laughs> yeah. He was an adorable dog. <laughs> it's been, it's, it really, and the thing I love most about filmmaking is that it is collaborative. Mm. You don't make a film alone. I've never met a person who's like, yep, I had this idea that was inspired by nothing other than myself, and then I executed it all on my own. No, that's yeah. not how filmmaking exactly. works. If it's, it would be a terrible film if we did that. We all bring our energy and our love and our talent to it, and it makes it better and better and better. And that there's no other art like that, really. And you do, I shouldn't say that, because there are things like dance and things where you have collaboration, but in filmmaking, there's so many ingredients yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. And just getting the, the right person to bring the right ingredient, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So we have a lot of um, viewers and listeners who are creatives themselves, who are looking for that inspiration, looking for that guidance. And we love our guests to share some tips for anyone who's potentially either in the field but is maybe struggling or someone who's just thinking about it as a career. Have you guys got any tips that you'd like to share? Oh, definitely. I, I'd say networking is probably the number one tip I would have. And it's, it's certainly difficult over the past couple of years during a pandemic. But even if you look at our relationship, uh, you know, meeting at a film festival, yeah, meeting yeah. tons of other creative people there, like Nora Lacos, J.R. Pulley, there were some amazingly talented people yeah, who were there. Uh, you know, find, find ways to meet other creative folks. Certainly, you don't have to meet virtually in Paris. There's local film festivals. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the cool things is Jenna Saru, who's the, the runs the Paris International Film Festival. We met at the Massachusetts Independent Film Festival, just a couple of towns over while she was touring with, with her initial uh, feature film. And yeah. that's how those relationships get started. You know, it's great to be a creative person yourself, 100% want to encourage that, but also go out, meet other creatives, support them as well. Be enthusiastic, be sincere. You know, that's the best way to, you know, to get people to uh, you know, know you and want to work with you. I always tell actors that going to film festivals is such a gift because it's the only time where directors audition for you. Mm. You get to see their film and decide if you want to work with them or not. And then you can seek them out at the bar afterwards and be like, hey, I really enjoyed your movie and I'm an actor. And you can check out the rapport and you will know a little bit about what it is like to work with them before you start the process of auditioning. And also when you build relationships like that, very often you don't have to audition anymore. If you really connect with someone, um, my friend Jim McDonough, I think is the perfect example. Uh, I saw his film, Manicorn, which is a brilliant short. At, it wasn't even a festival, it was just a screening. 
um, but is brilliant. And I went over and introduced myself, encouraged him to uh, send it into a film festival that I'm a big fan of. And we ended up going to seeing each other at lots of festivals and building this relationship. And then I started kind of needling him, like, when are you going to put me in one of your films, Jim? And he had seen my work and I had seen, and we already had this respect and this rapport. And then he did put me in one of his films. And now he's working on the feature length version of Manicorn. And he was asked me already to be, he's like, I'm not done writing it, but I want you to be in it. Like, yeah. yes. This is, and we are so I'm speaking for Jim here. I hope he's I hope he's not <laughs> listening to this and being like, no, I am not excited to work with it. <laughs> We're just so excited to get into the sandbox and play together. Mm -hmm. And that it's part of part of what makes this fun because it can be really difficult. It's it's not all fun and games, it's long days, it's physically challenging, it's emotionally challenging, but when you have the right people around you it just it's fun yeah 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 having that right energy in the team makes it so much it's a huge difference and you can see the productivity and the performances go skyrocket into you know then if you've got like a, a team that just doesn't Change. mesh well yeah and then that can just change dynamics in a yeah and, and that will show yeah so yeah yeah and I think what's one of the great ways like what you've mentioned both of you in terms of film festivals and getting to meet these um these other creatives is you're showing that level of respect mm. for their work as well as them for yours so it's it's not just a take 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 scenario but it's yeah. actually a give and take where you're saying I've seen your film, you know, I love your film. And then they'll check out your stuff. And, and that's where, you know, Good you don't have to do the auditions mm. or whatever. You've actually built that relationship from respect. I have learned so much by working for other people. Yeah. Whether it was standing in and watching Christina Hendricks and Sienna Miller work, or when I've been an assistant director for things or script supervisor and watching how other people work. And even when I've done background on films, which I don't do anymore so much, but I get to, I was on a Little Women and just getting to sort of stand near Greta Gerwig and kind of eavesdrop in her conversations and watch how she comports herself as a director. And I, recently I worked with George Clooney and watching how he runs a set, which is completely different from how she ran a set or how Paul Feig runs a set. And also he, he had a, an assistant director who was just so brilliant and so on the ball and seeing how these different pieces come together informs me as a filmmaking professional and lets me up my game. Yeah. But you have to be professional and you have to be paying attention and you have to be quiet. Yeah. Um, if they notice you, sure you away but <laughs> but uh i i've been very very lucky to work for some amazing people that i could learn from and mm. sometimes you meet these people at film festivals and they have a project coming up and maybe they don't need you to be the star of the movie and they don't need you to be the cinematographer or whatever but maybe they need a gaffer maybe they need a pa or something else that you have the capability to do and you can lend your talents and up your game at the same time. Yeah, 
definitely amazing well i mean you know tim diana we could talk to you for ages (laughs) about this there's so much has come out and yes so many more topics to kind of uh talk about but we haven't got that much time and we want to make sure that everyone can find you on website, social media. So plug it. Where can our viewers find out more about the both of you? Well, my social social media handle across all platforms is Diana M. Porter, M is in Mary. And my web, uh, my web address, my website (laughs) my website this is why i need someone to write my lines for me Uh, my website is dianaporteractress.com and you can also find subscribed on kickstarter right now excellent and yourself tim sure i i'm pretty straightforward instagram tim porter writes uh, and twitter boston porter those are the best ways Mm. to to reach it's writes with a w right yes the English the English language is tricky like that. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> well, thank you thank so you. much for yeah. being a guest on the right. show. Um, yeah, we can't wait to connect with you some more. I'm really looking forward to both of your projects and yeah, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us on your show. Thank, thank you. I'll see you in January. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. We hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for more Rhyme Entertainment Showcase. traveling this summer make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from harris teeter it's easy download your evic coupon and for every dollar you spend with your vic card you'll get two fuel points that's up to one dollar per gallon on quality fuel at participating bp and harris teeter fuel centers download your evic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with evic and harris teeter fuel points